What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Level 7. It is time for another episode of the Agents of Fandom podcast. Wow. We're obviously here to talk about Ahsoka, and this episode was something special. I am joined, as always, by my good buddy and trusty co-host who just did the exact same thing as I did with the Twitch <laughs> live feed uh, music going because he forgot to mute his other screen. Adam, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, you just completely put me on blast right there. Um, but no, I'm I'm I super did the exact super. Same thing just now. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm super excited. Like all day today, I was riding the high of this incredible episode, and then I got home and, and rewatched it. Finished up my rewatch about an hour ago, and like rarely, I don't often don't have time to rewatch these episodes or whatever. And even when I do, I'm like not all that excited about it. But I just could not wait to dive into this again and watch it again. And I'm even more excited to get into it and talk about all the specifics with you guys. I watched it once last night, twice this morning as I was writing my review, listened to the Midnight Boys on the Ringerverse and their review of it because it dropped pretty much immediately. I've just been trying to get as much of this episode as I can. You can find my review up at agentsoffandom.com. I gave it a five out of five. Spoiler warning for the article, not the. I mean, hey, for the for the show too. Spoiler warning for Ahsoka. If you haven't seen episode four yet, what are you doing? Get out of here. But uh, we got a special guest today as well. We've been going through the podcasts and just picking off one co-host at a time to bring in for for guests. So a few weeks ago, we had the Reckless Rebellion podcast, and we had TCR on. The next week, we had Klein on. Very next week, we had Matt Remke, co-host of the Direct podcast, and now the other co-host of the Direct podcast, and maybe maybe the better one? I don't know. I, I feel like I'm good enough friends with Matt that I can make fun of wow. him on the podcast. David, how you doing? David Thompson with the Direct.com. I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me today. And wow, I mean, we plan this. You reached out to me a while ago about, hey, coming on maybe for episode four. And I had no idea then. I had no clue whatsoever. This was going to be so far the episode of Ahsoka. And once that realization came and it's like, wow, I get to hop on here and talk more Ahsoka. Oh, it is an true pleasure because, yeah, I've only seen it the one time in its full length i guess because i've gone through disney plus scrubbed through it a bunch um watched it obviously like live uh at nine last night but i've rewatched the scene a lot of times <laughs> and watched a lot of youtube videos and i'm happy to be here because wow i'm so happy with where they're heading with this series and i can't wait to dive more into it 
This was one of my favorite live action Star Wars episodes of a TV show that we've we've seen yet. I think I'd, I feel like I really have to think back of which of my which was my favorite Andor episode, which was my favorite of the Mandalorian three seasons so far. Um, but uh, this episode of Ahsoka is definitely up there. So, like I said, spoiler warning for episode four of Ahsoka. To those who are joining us live on Twitch right now, what's up? Say uh, you got any questions and comments and chat, get them in there and we'll make sure to try and uh, get them uh, read or addressed over the course of the show. Those watching us on YouTube, thanks so much for joining. Hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and make sure you're also subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a nice five-star rating and review. But let's start diving into this one. This episode had something for everyone. I feel like it's been a bit of a criticism of the show so far that, like, if you don't like, if you haven't watched Rebels, it's kind of tough to be, like, fully bought in. You know, it's maybe a little exciting, but it's tough to be fully bought in. This had some, this episode had something for the Rebels fans, and it definitely had something for the prequels fans because Hayden Christensen is back once again as Anakin Skywalker. It's interesting because the first time we saw him in Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, it was just straight flashback. And it was so cool. It was amazing to get to see that training sequence with Obi-Wan and Anakin. But this wasn't a flashback. This was happening, I, I don't want to say in the present, because we'll, we'll get into more of the world between worlds later. But for Ahsoka, this was happening in the present we'll dive into kind of the episode in sequence but i can't help but bury bury the lead because this was the biggest reveal of the episode the first live action meeting between anakin skywalker and ahsoka tano adam what did you think about not the scene in particular we'll get to that but like what did it mean for you to have anakin back and how much more excited did that get you for this series it meant everything for me, man. I'm on the record. Like last week, I was talking about like for me personally, I've like seen Clone Wars and Rebels. Clone Wars is more my like. I think Rebels is a better story. Like obviously, telling one story from start to finish and following the same group of characters, and Clone Wars doesn't do that. Um, but Clone Wars is still. I'm a Clone Wars guy. So then, like to see these two connect in live action, like I, I was kind of thinking we were gonna get some kind of like flashback sequence. I think we talked about that in one of our primer episodes. But like. Like you said, to see this and whether it's the present or whether they're dead or no matter whether Anakin has come from the past, like I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Like I have no idea, but just to, like just see them interacting, like oh my, what it did to my heart. Like I really can't even put into words, especially just hearing like hearing Hayden Christensen say "snips" for the first time after hearing it so many times in live action. Oh, it was incredible. Like that, this was a true gift for like any like all any and all. Uh, Clone Wars and just Star Wars animated fans for sure. David, you like us didn't grow up watching the seventies and eighties Star Wars in theaters. We the stuff that came out when we were kids was the prequels. The stuff that came out as adults was the sequel sequel trilogy or maybe teens, yeah. teens and adults, um, old enough to kind of remember fully the experiences, uh, etc. Um, what did it mean for you to have Hayden Christensen back in live action? What is your background with the animated shows? Um, and did that kind of mean a lot to you to get that first live action connection to of Ahsoka and Anakin? 
It meant a lot to me. Anakin's my guy. Vader is just my favorite Star Wars character, to put it plainly. So it's always a joy seeing him or Vader. Obi-Wan, to me, was a show that I have ranked higher than most people. I think for those heartstrings getting pulled with Obi-Wan and Anakin and Vader, and specifically that finale, that last battle, I just think is some of peak Star Wars, honestly. And possibly, I would say... I don't even think this is a hot take. Hayden's best performance um, in that moment with the broken mask. My background with animation is actually pretty interesting. So uh, I've watched Clone Wars growing up, uh, or at least, you know, when I was younger. Obviously, the last season on Disney Plus, that was incredible. And then Rebels, I just watched for the first time leading up to Ahsoka. So I had never seen Rebels up until recently. And you kind of mentioned it earlier. I'm so glad I did, and obviously, I think this episode is probably the one that has not been as reliant on Rebels, quote-unquote, where if you've been following along with just the Ahsoka show, and you know Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker, and maybe you know of the relationship they have from Clone Wars, this one felt more like Clone Wars was actually more important to have seen, or just having watched Ahsoka, so the hype was through the roof. I mean, we already got him in Obi-Wan Kenobi, and that was incredible, but it's amazing how we're getting to see the chosen one, right? The the true fallen Jedi of Star Wars being able to pop in and out of these series, and I loved how you brought this up, TJ, where when when is this, right? Who is this? How is this? There's so many questions, and I think the fact that this was a mid-season finale it just set itself up so well for the future. Like, I cannot wait to refresh Disney Plus next Tuesday and watch episode five because my expectations are now through the ceiling, through the roof, into the galaxy where Thrawn is. I cannot wait. There are so many themes that I'm happy you brought up the episode title, The Fallen Jedi, because... Um, the there are so many different ways that that title gets mixed into this episode because you can look at it of the of the sense of the return of Anakin Skywalker, the fallen Jedi. You can look at it in a sense of Black Widow, Infinity, and Gamora and Infinity War, a literal dropping as we see Ahsoka fall off the edge of a cliff, a fallen Jedi uh, at the end. You have Balin, Balin Skull, who is a fallen Jedi. He fell from the light to the darkness after Order 66. And you also kind of have this, when is this going on? Why is this going on? How is this going on? Who are these people? With, I feel like that's something that a lot of people who didn't watch Rebels didn't necessarily catch on throughout the beginning of this series where it's like, we have this relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine that keeps being re referenced of their first go at Master and Apprentice didn't go well. Um, and I think a lot of people thought they missed that in Rebels, but that didn't happen in Rebels. Like, we, none of us have seen that. That's still something that's to be revealed in the future. Um, and so kind of same thing with Purgles. Well, what are Purgles other than hyperspace whales? We have no idea. All, all, the, all that we know are purgles are big old whales that float through hyperspace right now. Um, and kind of uh, mixing those things in there, Merrick, Merrick, 
we're going to talk a little bit more about him in a bit, but this is another one where it's like, we've been asking why, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Who is this guy throughout? And now the question I think now changes to what was this guy? Because the way he disappeared definitely opened up more questions, I think, uh, than I even had about him from the beginning. Um, so let's start diving into this this episode because there's so so much to talk about and I want to make sure we leave some time to theorize at the end but we get this really great moment of Hu Yang at the beginning voiced by the incredible David Tennant um saying like hey you two like what if you can do me one favor try and try and stay together you've always been be better together and that's kind of another thing reference that to that relationship that we still haven't seen before and skipping ahead a little bit to the end of the episode, and now you see, we see, they try and stick together, they end up sticking together for about five minutes before uh, they start fighting and then they sep separate. But it was yeah, a nice moment and it did add context to that relationship. And then skipping ahead to the end, when Balin is speaking with Sabine, he mentions how Ahsoka already let her down he, she's trying to let her down in her search for Ezra by destroying the map, and now she—and he's already let her down, since her whole family has been killed, and Ahsoka was not a, a good support in all in in an attempt to to stop that from happening. This is all brand new information for us. Um, yeah. We did not know Sabine's family was gone. Sabine's family was alive um, in Rebels, and the fact that something may ha have to do with that but with ahsoka is very interesting now we can assume it this was this happened sabine's uh family died during the night of a thousand tears which was we learn in the mandalorian that um all the mandalorian almost all the mandalorians get wiped out moff gideon takes control of mandalore he gets the dark saber from bo katan that's the night of a thousand tears we can make inferences that this happened at the same time but i almost feel like we could do a whole nother season of a show just prequel to this show showing uh sabine and ahsoka's first go at master and apprentice adam i feel like this episode added more context to their relationship than we've seen throughout the first three what is your kind of thought process of the two of them now so when i rewatched this episode this afternoon i was really trying to pay attention to that scene and i didn't i didn't write it down but if i'm remembering correctly what balin says to her is your parents are dead because your master didn't trust you so then my the gears started turning in my head and my not really an interpretation of that because we just don't know what it is yet but my guess my theory and this isn't really anything crazy but like i think the night of a thousand tears like you were talking about was probably around that same time when these these two were going through their first master and apprentice kind of situation and maybe sabine got wind of everything that was going on and was like i've got to go home to like help my family and ahsoka was like that place is doomed like she maybe she knew or whatever like i, I think there's going to be we're in line for some kind of reveal with like like you just you mentioned the night of a thousand tears but like it seems like it's going to lead to something where like Ah, Sabine really needed Ahsoka to, to help her, or not even really just to help her, but to support her and to be there for her. And it was like, and she really, like, failed her in that aspect, which is like, which also kind of leads into something that I noticed at the beginning of this episode with their relationship. It was funny when I like the first five minutes into this episode, I was pretty annoyed with Ahsoka again, feeling like she took some steps back because like Sabine is is talking about Ezra and doing all this stuff, and and Ahsoka is essentially like, 
we're going to have to forget about him. Like it's, it's, it might be too dangerous to go get him. And I was like, that's not, that's not a so like Ahsoka would be like, look, even if, even if she knew, like maybe the chances aren't all that high, we're going to get to him. She's not just going to say, you need to forget about him. Like I, I was getting a little annoyed, but then they add that context later in the episode. So it didn't really bother me all that much, but I definitely feel like with the two of them, they keep like dropping these real little subtle hints like that. And I'm really excited to see more and, and learn more about that relationship. Cause like, I feel like at this point they're going to have to just completely reveal what happened. Like they, they won't be able to leave that up to interpretation or just kind of hint at it in another project, or like, like leave it up for another project or anything like they're going to have to tell us what happened with the two of them and like where everything went bad and like just pretty much like a, like a thorough dive into their history, whether it be a flashback episode or five or 10 minutes of exposition or something, they're going to have to give us something, but like, Given these breadcrumb trails they've been dropping, I feel pretty confident that we are going to get that. We, it's not a one for one comparison, but I think we're going to get something similar with Ahsoka this series to Obi Wan's self actualization journey glow up. For him, it was he cut himself off from the Force, and throughout the series, he was becoming more and more in tune with the Force as he learned to hope again. Um, where, whereas for Ahsoka. I, I don't dig the cold, moody Ahsoka that we've seen a lot of this series. I've kind of loved this series in spite of that. But I think it's more understandable when you use it from the context of... When you look at it in the, through the lens of trauma, and if Sabine wanted to go to Mandalore to help Bo-Katan, um, and Ahsoka was like, no... That's hypocritical as hell when you look at how she separated from Anakin in the Clone Wars when she was like, we need to go help Mandalore. And Anakin and Obi-Wan are like, oh, the Senate, no. Um, so you can understand why that would kind of close her off and be like, ah, I fucked up. And I'm if, if she's not dealing with that, if she's not accepting that, yeah. that's probably something pretty heavily weighing on her shoulders right now. David, what's your take on their relationship? Would you love to see either a flashback episode where we, we add, we get, we learn more about the two of them or a whole nother project where we, where we get to see that maybe even an animation. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would love to see a flashback scene just because I do think like Adam was saying, this is going to need to be rebrought up and not just kind of left open for interpretation by the end of this series. Like, and I think they did that, they did that on purpose. Like we're going to get there. Obviously, when Ahsoka and Sabine see each other next, we have no idea at this point. Um, but it'll be interesting to find that out. Not to get ahead, I think with their relationship, it really worked for me, the revelation of Sabine's family having died, that Balin's kind of like essentially telling the audience <laughs> by reminding Ahsoka um, and how Ahsoka had something to do with it because it lended itself well for why Sabine makes the decision she does and kind of falls for Balin's trap in a way. Um, so I think that worked really well. And due to Sabine and Ahsoka's relationship, being a bit scarred, tattered, right? Not completely just awesome and strong. Like it's definitely stumbling and kind of lopsided in terms of who really cares about who and Clearly, a lot has happened since the events of Rebels until now. So filling in those gaps, I think, would be great. Um, and I think this flashback scenes, we're going to get not just maybe Sabine and Ahsoka. I think even with 
Hayden being back in the world between worlds, we could still get Anakin and Ahsoka flashbacks to the Clone Wars, even still, even now, um, just because next episode, they're not just talking the entire time walking around the world between worlds, right? Like, if they mention something, maybe we'll see that, and I think that would be amazing. Skipping ahead in the episode, because I think it fits what we're talking about now, keeping with that conversation of Balin and Sabine, um, I think MTF makes a great point in chat. Like, Ahsoka wasn't wrong. The biggest conflict between them right now is if we can't steal the map, we have to try and destroy the map because we we can't just let them bring Thrawn back. That is more important to the galaxy than finding Ezra. Um, the problem is knowing everything Sabine's gone through losing her family, knowing the promise she has made to herself to bring Ezra back because of the, the, the message that he left for her. The relationship between the two of them isn't peers. The relationship between the two of them is teacher and student. It's master and apprentice. So you have to do what she was doing last episode and adjust your teaching style to your student. You have to meet them halfway and connect on a level that they understand. You have to... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Know where they're coming from as opposed to just yelling information at them. As a teacher, you can't just continuously force math down the throat of kids if they're not listening. They have to be in a space where they want to, where they're willing to learn for them to actually learn. And you have to get Sabine to that point because she's grieving and your job is being her teacher. I don't care that she's an adult, not a kid. It's still how you get through to human beings. Um, and so that's definitely something that they're going to have to work through. But one part that I find very interesting is, and I wrote about this a bit in my, in my review as well, is I've, I've heavily criticized the Jedi Order and how they run throughout the Clone Wars and the prequels and just their ignorance and ineptitude towards the growing dark side and the corruption within um, the, the, the Republic. And I've really, really hated, most of all, how they handled Anakin Skywalker. That's why the Duel of the Fates is so important. If Qui-Gon Jinn lives and is there to be the master of Anakin Skywalker, maybe he doesn't go to the dark side. Um, 
that's another thing Hayden Christensen said he'd be super interested in doing is a Star Wars style Marvel what if where he gets to do a story where Anakin stayed good and he grew up as a father to Luke and Leia and we just get to see that journey. Um, yeah. I kind of lost my train of thought here. Where was I going with that? Attachment. The one thing that they handled so poorly that the Jedi handled so poorly is attachment and how... Anakin had to hide his relationship with Padme and that caused him so much stress, which allowed Palpatine to come in, manipulate him and ultimately help turn him to the dark side. If they were just more supportive of Anakin instead of enforcing their rules of attachment on him, things would have gone better. Maybe things would have gone better for Obi-Wan and Satine and Mandalore. Clone Wars fans know what that reference means. If they wouldn't have been so firm about these rules. However, they really show in this episode where those Jedi Order teachings come from of, no, you can't have attachment as a Jedi because it is very easily manipulated by the dark side, as we see Balin doing to Sabine at the end of this episode to convince her to give them the map, go find Ezra and Thrawn together. Why was she doing it? To keep her promise to Ezra. That's the part that I think is kind of messed up. Um, and if any of you guys want to monologue at any point, feel free, because I realize I've been doing this for a while and not throwing it to you guys, so I apologize. Um, <laughs> You're good. The thing that I find kind of twisted about it, and that's how the dark side has kind of manipulated her mind here, is while she thinks she's fulfilling her promise to Ezra, what she's really doing is disrespecting the sacrifice he made in the first place. Because what was the purpose of him going across to another galaxy with the Purgle, it was to get rid of Thrawn. He was taking Thrawn with him. And so to go, yeah, I need to bring Ezra back and we'll bring, we'll bring Thrawn back too while we're prisoners. That's a worse situation than he sent himself off in before. He wouldn't want that. David, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's redoing exactly what Ezra did to begin with, right? It's just completely unraveling it. And that is the, I don't even know what to call it. The, the the Sith adjacent people or like the the, the Empire the yeah like you know the dark side the bad people the 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 witch and we've got you know Balin who's awesome and you know all these other um individuals involved that's their goal right their goal is to go get Thrawn to be the heir to the Empire and build it up again or do whatever we need to do again because he was always so so smart right just so manipulative and just always a step ahead until what happens at the end of rebels so i am pumped to get it like i cannot wait to see thrawn because they're off now right the deed is done we're, we're here and this episode ends in such an amazing way and we're in such an amazing place going forward i cannot wait to see what happens next and will we get thrawn already next episode i don't know but he's coming soon it's happening, right? We've got Hera falling from the sky now because of it, <laughs> because their ship worked. So um, I'm really pumped for the future of this show and obviously where we left off today. And I just find it interesting what they set up, and Dave Filoni obviously has to do with all of this, how it was set up in Rebels, right? And you talked about how this would go against Ezra's wishes. Ezra really was, he was the apprentice. It wasn't Sabine, right? We get those episodes where, you know, Sabine struggles with this kind of thing. Like she's not really force sensitive. We get more of that now in Ahsoka. Um, but in 
rebels, it's like there's Kanan and then there's Ezra. And Ezra really is strong in the Force. So I get the idea where maybe because Thrawn, if we if we get Thrawn back, Ezra's back too, it's all emotional. It's all attachments, like you said, and that's part of all of this. Um, but maybe Sabine's also thinking a little bit, well, Ezra's a Jedi, right? We don't, And they don't know, which is so exciting. We don't know the status of any of this. <laughs> like, we have no idea still what happened, but I cannot wait to see, maybe not a flashback on that, but just like catch up, you know, uh, retreading of what, what have you been doing since? It's one of the things that made Star Wars Rebels so exciting is Ezra, as the Padawan, like you said, David, is basically like such a similar story to Anakin Skywalker with someone who's wildly powerful in the Force. Now, Ezra's not as powerful as Anakin it was, but yeah. whose kind of bullheaded nature and lack of teachability makes him have the kind of the opposite demeanor of what you would hope for in a traditional Jedi who dances with the dark side of the Force, but opposing to Anakin gets through it and perseveres on the light side from what we have seen so far. Right. Now, Filoni, the mastermind behind Rebels, Clone Wars, this Ahsoka series, and Adam, the director of the next episode, is episode five where we will see the live-action debut of Grand Admiral Thrawn and Ezra Bridger, and how do you kind of think it's going to happen? Because I have to imagine with Balin, Shin, Sabine, and Morgan, Elsbeth heading to another galaxy right now, I think it's time. Well, it, it kind of has to be right, unless, shout out MTF in the chat, who said that he thinks the world between worlds can be used as a good device to kind of walk Ahsoka back through those flashbacks. Like the, I can already, I can like close my eyes and see that, the two of them walking and stopping at different portals and, and going over different moments from the Clone Wars, like replaying those like in live action, that, that would be a, a real treat for me. Like, if we don't get something like that, like, if, if they don't just focus it completely on the two of them, I mean, it has to be, unless there's going to be some complications with the jump or whatever, which I can't let this entire episode slide by, by the way, without talking about the hyperspace onion ring and how cool that is. Because, like, one thing, when that thing jumped and the ships were in the middle of it, and then it, like, sent all of them into a frenzy and there was this hyperspace, that shit was just cool. I'm sorry. That was just real. When I watched that, I was like, that's really, fun, like, really fucking cool. And unique. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen anything like that in Star Wars. Like, something with that much power, like, that was really cool. But Incredible visual. Just an amazing absolutely. visual. Right. And with all the, like, the dust, everything that came behind it, like, leaving that big trail heading off into space, that was just, that was really cool. But, like, I feel like we, ha we have to see them unless they keep this next episode completely focused on ahsoka and anakin like i said or maybe they get there and realize they got to the wrong spot maybe because you know ahsoka took the thing out and like burned part of it into her hand and then they put it back in there maybe she maybe when she took that thing out she fucked up the coordinates and when they put it back in they got the wrong coordinates so maybe wherever they jump to isn't going to end up being the right place like i don't know like that's one thing that I'm loving about this show so far is I could talk myself into pretty much any outcome. Like I, it's so unclear to me where it's heading and I absolutely love it. The only way I will accept a, Oh no, we accidentally went to the wrong spot is if we, if it turns out to be like a, and here's Starkiller and here's Cal Kestis, something <laughs> like that. Like, because of yeah. that, it's like, here is because you went to an alternate place. Here's a alternate, really cool thing that's happening. But as Carlos brings up in chat, they're screening it in theaters. Like this is probably going to be 
in select theaters throughout the United States. I wish I could watch it here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, but no can do. Um, but they're screening this in theaters. It's probably going to be 50% Ahsoka and Anakin, 50% Ezra and, and uh, Thrawn. That's kind of my guess mm. as to how it's going to be. And maybe that's not going to be all Sabine and Ezra reuniting, Thrawn reuniting with the bad guys. I think we start seeing Ezra and Thrawn. That would be kind of my guess is the episode begins with seeing Ezra and or Thrawn and what they're up to right now. Wow. And builds up to Sabine and, and squad f showing up to them while mixing in... Uh, to different cuts to Ahsoka and Anakin. That's one of the thing I thought this episode did so incredibly was the cinematography by director Peter Ramsey, same guy who did the Spider-Verse movies. Um, and this, the, like the transitions were so cool. The transitions from like Ahsoka in the water to the world, world between worlds. Oh. And the, um, like you said, Adam, the, the takeoff to hyperspace with the onion ring. Um, so like cool. all the shots were just, so so wildly incredible but let's bring it back now we dove to the front i want to bring it back before we get into theories about the world between worlds and anakin's and things like that and talk about some of the cool lightsaber action in this one and first things first i want to talk about ahsoka and merrick one thing that i really liked about this fight is we got to fully appreciate that like ahsoka's the fucking best like she Balin says it later in the episode that like everyone knew of of uh, everyone knew of of Anakin Skywalker in the galaxy, every Jedi, and he also says like he spoke very highly of you, where she delivers the most Ahsoka esque line of the series. He never spoke of you. Um, <laughs> that's the Ahsoka we're looking for. She's sassy. She's funny. She's confident. Nips. She's not broody and stoic. Um, yeah. And so uh, I, I really love that one. But taking it back to the fight with between her and Merrick, we got to see that she's the best. She uh, we, She's known throughout the galaxy as the Padawan of the best in the business. And now we got to finally see it where Merrick, who's doing his crazy spinny things, he's been shown throughout as like a force to be reckoned with. And she goes, okay, no, it's business time now. I've done with you. I've seen what I need to see. Bam, I'm putting my lightsaber right through you. And then, to me, what I think is most interesting is we're not getting some big reveal of, is Merrick Starkiller? Is it Barriss Offrey? Is it Ezra Bridger? Is it, uh, my theory was Reva. Um, no, none of these things. But not only does he kind of Thanos snap, turn to dust a little bit, but it's a very interesting green deaths that looks very similar to those who have seen Rebels, Clone Wars, and even played the Jedi Fallen Order and Survivor games. Um, it looks a lot like Night Sisters Magic, the Witches of Dathomir, green kind of powdery dust, or just that we see Morgan Elsbeth using in this show. Um, and it would make a sense that uh, Merrick has a connection there. Adam, what do you think is going on with Merrick? What did you think of Ahsoka just absolutely beating his ass? What kind of being do you think he is? And how is the magic going to be involved? Because if he just turned to dust like that, I don't think necessarily that he's even gone. Because I think he was just made of magic. Hmm. Yeah, well, I, I think you just kind of answered answered the question right there. I mean, I, like, I think that... <laughs> I think 
that does pretty much alludes to the fact that like where, whenever they catch up to them, there may be two more merits or like three more merits. Like maybe she can just conjure them up at will. I don't know. Now, as far as like yeah. the lightsaber stuff goes, one thing I, I love when star Wars, when like these lightsaber battles occur in, play, in like foggy or like places where it's raining or something where like, you can really see like this ambient backlight, like behind the set, like, like that first, I know everybody was complaining about it and it can get a little bit annoying, but like, the, the battle in episode two, when everything is all gray, it, it doesn't even hold a candle to what we get to see in this, like in the dark forest. Like it reminded me a lot of, uh, I think it's at the end of um, The Force Awakens when Poe and, and, and they're and they're doing all, in the Poe versus, uh, oh my, why am I blanking? And Kylo. And then Ray versus Kylo, like all that stuff in the dark and the forest. I was getting yes. a lot of those vibes. Like the sabers just felt so alive, like in all these fights. But for this one in particular, I mean, the classic, like, red versus white. Like, Ahsoka, the sound and stuff of her sabers, too, like, completely undefeated. Now, I don't – we've seen so many times, like, I now I know Merrick's nothing but just, like, a conjured ghost, so he doesn't know this. But, like, as the audience, anytime I see an Inquisitor, like, spin up their lightsaber on that, like that, I'm like, okay, well, they're getting ready to die. Because this literally has never – like, they invented this really cool thing. And I'm like, guys, this has never worked once. Like, this always fails for you guys. we got to find a new – technique or something because this is not this is not working but yeah i mean i will carlos alluded to it a little bit i'm gonna gonna push back on the best a little bit because she gets absolutely bodied by my boy balin at the end of the episode now she is the best in this fight but we're going to talk about that too we're going to talk about that too because she got bodied we'll get to that but there is an asterisk that that is is very easily kind of explained how it goes down balin had a little bit of plot armor and uh, I think it's uh, and we'll and we'll uh, get to that a little bit. But before yeah. that, I want to talk about Sabine and Shin Hati going toe to toe because first few episodes, Shin absolutely just kicks her ass. Uh, Sabine is no match as she's just trying to go toe to toe with her with a with a lightsaber. But we finally get to see Sabine Wren in her full Mandalorian armor, and when when she's fighting like a Mandalorian who wields a lightsaber, all of a sudden this is a pretty fucking cool fight. David, what did you think of it? Oh my God. I loved this. I, on the direct podcast this morning, me and Matt were talking about it. One of my biggest winners of this episode is the choreography. And that is all over this episode. All these different fights. We already talked about a couple of them. This one, I would say in particular, the lighting. I love he brought that up, Adam, because there's been so many times in Star Wars, even in recent memory, where lightsabers feel kind of dead. They feel kind of lifeless, right? We're kind of like, ah, eh. you know, even when there was those quotes coming out about the, um, what's that series? Um, shoot, I'm blanking on that series coming out. That that like prequel series that has to do with Sith. Yeah. Uh, the Acolyte. The, yeah. The yeah. Yeah, Acolyte. Yeah. There's those quotes, sorry, Acolyte. Those quotes coming out about how there's going to be more lightsabers than ever. And it's like, that's awesome. But we got a pretty, what I would say, meh scene in uh, Attack of the Clones, which had every lightsaber ever. And it doesn't, the amount, it's quality over quantity. We don't need all these lightsabers. But in this, in this episode, we got a lot of quantity and I would say quality because Sabine and Shin, Shin is an interesting character, right? Where we don't know much about her, but we see some sassiness in this character last week a little bit when she's in the cockpit talking and this week as well some anger rage of course she has all that but mainly she's a disciple to Balin when she's squaring off with Sabine 
my first thought is how the hell is she not just destroying Sabine right now? Because Sabine, as we've seen, is clearly not strong in the force and Shin clearly is. Um, but it, it does go that way, ultimately. Besides, I would say, in my opinion, kind of Sabine like throwing dirt in her eye a little bit and then Shin just kind of running away. But I love how that, that scene... Was- un- my favorite part of the fight where she just like fully recognizes like i'm gonna fake you out i'm pretending to bring my lightsaber here or do a force push whatever what it is but actually bam my mandalorian gauntlets have weapons in them and i'm gonna shoot them in your face i just i thought that was textbook mandalorian fighting jedi yeah i agree and to me watching that i loved it because one concern heading out of episode three i would say what, yeah, episode three was that it's kind of teeing us up for the ultimate like Sabine finally can use the force, right? With the whole cup scene, it felt like kind of a setup. And in this episode, I feel like they were kind of teasing that like maybe they will get to it eventually. I wouldn't really be much of a fan. I think Sabine should be special without being force sensitive. And I think that should be like her story arc. But with that being said, we had the moment where it's like, okay, are they going to do it? Are they doing it? No, fake out. Um, but their lightsabers clashing was beautiful, right? Like Sabine, Sabine breaks out her lightsaber as a pure defense weapon, you know, where it really showed the dichotomy between light and dark in many ways, right? Like the Jedi, and Sabine's not necessarily a Jedi, but she is supposed to be using her lightsaber for defense, right? Not in anger. Same with the Force. And Shin is the total opposite, right? She been, she's been trained the entire opposite way. She's breaking it out as a weapon of mass destruction, rage, using the force. I loved later on. I don't want to forget it later when she force chokes Sabine. Incredible. I thought that was so great. The force choke is like still, I would say the quintessential uh, dark side force maneuver. And it was amazing to see. I hope we get more of Shin. I hope we don't just kind of get the surface layer moments i really want to learn more about her origin and why she kind of is who she is today and her and balen would even consider themselves because they don't they're not sith right they don't necessarily they're not necessarily sith she's just kind of they just dance with the devil yeah (laughs) i feel like mercenaries more like dark side mercenaries is how i kind of like identify them because like i don't know why i don't really know why they're like i don't think balen and and shen have this like real deep investment in bringing Thrawn back and raising this new empire. Like, I don't know what Morgan's offering them or what like Morgan has promised that Thrawn will offer them or, or whatever. But like, I'm really, I hope they dive more into that because like, I'm not convinced that they're all in on this empire. Like, they seem much more like mercenaries to me. They, Adam, you and I talked about this, about how, um, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I feel like we got such a nice just post-episode discussion of this one. Just talking about like the different lightsaber colors of getting white, green, orangish, red, blue. All like all of it happening uh, all at once going at each other in the same scene. Um... But another thing that was uh, really cool that I enjoyed from this episode is it really showed us more of Baywin Skull. And we talked about that, how this is like a totally different type of antagonist than we usually get in Star Wars. It's He's not power hungry. He's not wildly determined in his cause. Like you see Vader who and who's just ultimate passion and just emotion and anger. And drive, and then you see Palpatine and even Thrawn, who it's all calculation, but nothing is more important for to them than reaching their goals. Um, for Balin, he's very reluctant. He doesn't want to be doing this stuff. Every time Morgan tells him to go fight Ahsoka, it's like that's a waste. Like I don't want more Jedi blood to be spilled for for no reason. But kind of my thought process of his motivation is like this basically a dark ahsoka like ahsoka it's all i left the jedi order because of this corruption and i want to do what's right and i don't believe in these rules for balin it's more like i believed in these rules these rules failed me and everyone now i think it all needs to be burned to the ground so something can start anew what's your take of like adam what's your take of what brought balin to this character that didn't make sense, oh, but you know what I mean. <laughs> this point well, my, I'll just give yeah. my, my take on, yeah, my take on Bat. Well, like, I thing I noticed today, he is so interesting because, like, I feel like every time he speaks, it adds another layer to his character. Like, he can just say one word, and I'm like, wait, why? What? Why do you – like, not in a bad way, though. Like, I'm so intrigued. Like, every time he opens yeah. his mouth, I feel like – He's just leaving so much, like it's because of something that's happened in his past or like a pre, like a previous experience that he's had. And I'm almost getting more, like a little more worried, not maybe not worried, but like cautious about like, cause as we go along, I'm like, there's no way they answer all the questions specifically about Balin that I personally want answered. So I'm trying to guard myself a little bit with that. But like, I mean, I think the Dark Ahsoka comparison is a really, really good one. It, it's It's interesting that he really isn't, it's just so like, like you said that he does he's not tapping into these emotions like that's so much of what we see from dark side users is like oh they tap into their emotion to get like for their strength and i think like even shin is doing that like to a degree i mean she, i think when she came back and, and started doing the force choke thing like it's like david said it's awesome and one thing i love i love when sound accompanies the force like that that low like thrum growl when she was cho- like every time there's sound with the force that's never not worked like in star wars history but yeah it's so interesting like to see her be so angry and like, and like, because I'm pretty sure the whole reason she even rolled up and was ready to choke out Sabine because like she kind of had to, I mean, she had to run away from her. She kind of got the best of her in the forest right there. Like she was thought she was going to kill her. And so she was probably pissed off. And it's like, 
I, we haven't even seen. I mean, what evidence is that? I mean, I guess he killed. Uh, he killed people. So I mean, he's I was surely like a dark side user. But it's like he's not. He's not choking anybody out or doing anything like this. He's not tapping into his emotion. He really just seems like this, like perfectly down the middle. Like I, I don't know if I like. I don't like the word like gray area with him because I mean he's still bad. Like he murdered a bunch of innocent people at the very opening of the series, so he's not a good dude. Yeah. But it's like. He's, I, I don't feel like he's just tapping into this primal rage inside of him either. Like, I, He's such an interesting character. I think Star yeah. Wars need more like emotionally layered. Because so so oftentimes, I cannot, in previous shows, I'm very uninterested in their like ground level villain. Like Star Wars always has this overarching villain, like obviously. And then I'm like, so oftentimes though, with the lower tier guy that they run into a couple of times throughout, like I'm usually pretty bored by, and that could not be further from the truth in this case. Cause like Balin's incredible. And I'm, I'm really, really sad that Ray Stevenson isn't here to just see everybody praising and loving this character because he's, I mean, he's my favorite part of the show so far, personally, like I absolutely love Balin so far. Yeah. I think he's been wonderful. And what I find interesting jumping off, like maybe how he's gotten here or who he is, he doesn't seem like a disciple of the Empire, right? He didn't seem to be someone who knelt at the throne of Vader or the Emperor. And that is fascinating to me. I think he's in a very interesting spot where he truly has some kind of motivation, like you mentioned, TJ, to start over, begin anew. And I loved the idea that he is a mirror image of Ahsoka with some slight tweaks, right? Just some slight changes. And that is inspired writing to me. That's an inspired villain, I think, in Star Wars, where I think sometimes villains can get a little too cookie cutter, or we just don't really care so much. There's not as good, plainly put, or it's just the same thing over and over again, where, as I think we can all agree on, we just want to learn more. I think after this episode, especially, I just want to learn more about this guy and what motivates him and why he is going along with this plan. He manipulates the force like a Jedi when he fights. He moves like a Jedi. And I think it's symbolic with the color of their lightsabers that they're not red, red, red like we see Darth Vader's and, and other Inquisitors. I think it's purposeful symbolism that it's kind of like an orangey and it's not it's not all red um because it's not full-on corrupted dark side it's more neutrality without morals it's just i'm serving my own purpose not a big dark cause and it's like mtf said in chat he's a ronin um he, he's on his own doing his own thing um and in terms of his fight with ahsoka let's be real at the beginning before shin shows up Ahsoka has the upper hand. She's got the upper hand as, 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 as you're fighting. At worst, it's even. Because yeah, she's definitely doing even. the exact same thing she was doing with Merrick at the beginning. I'm taking things slow. I'm on the defensive. I'm figuring yeah. out what you do. And then when I got my opportunity, I'm going to slice you up. Now, with Balin, those opportunities don't come as easy as easily because he's not going to be just spinning his lightsaber in, in circles in front of her. He's full on attack mode form five baseball swinging that, uh, that lightsaber. And so I found that very interesting of how for 
Merrick using just that one lightsaber, it was very much like, I'm going to attack you, I'm done, bang, bang, boom, you're done. That's why I'm only using one. With yeah, with Balin, it was very much, I need two hands on this because of your sheer power. Yeah. Now, what happens after Shin shows up and we get one of the coolest moments of the episode and Ahsoka goes full-on Cal Kestis embracing the dark side and fucking throws Shin against the rocks um really embracing her her uh using the some dark side embracing her full power of the force yeah. um, and that was really cool but she grabs the map gets absolutely roasted with night sister magic she's dazed she can't use her one hand and therefore continuously gets pushed back by hammer uh hammer attacking balin it makes complete sense and obviously the plot armor needed this to happen so she could go to the world between worlds but i don't think balin is necessarily a more powerful jedi or force i agree with that Minnesota. yeah yeah oh absolutely but like, I mean, I'll say I wanted, Tindo, I wanted Tindo, more Tindo. backlash from that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was giving you some shit earlier, but I'm not gonna. I mean, Ahsoka, we, we've seen Ahsoka take on like the strongest of, of the strong and, and like come out on the other side. So like, yeah. and I know like what was so interesting to me though. I mean, you talked a little bit about the the this baseball swing. I mean, for those of you that have played Jedi Survivor, that that cross guard stance, like the big broad sword type thing, it was so much because I when I rewatched it, I was noticing like Balin does not take one hand off of his saber until Sabine gets there and he's holding it by his side. But like, I actually will, I'll push back a little bit on your early point that Ahsoka was like, even in the beginning is kind of on the defensive because one thing I noticed is that like one, she strike, like they, they like circle each other for, it, it was very, it felt very yin yang to me. Like they're, they're circling each other and like she lunges at him and he's on the defensive and then they kind of would step back and yeah. then he'd lunge at her and she was on the like it did not like un until that stuff happened. It was like the definition of neck and neck. That that was such. A, I can't wait to like rewatch that fight and try to like analyze it a little more because that was so so interesting. Like I, I always I'm one of those people that the double sabers is so cool. Like I, I'm screaming at Ahsoka through my TV. I'm like, pull out your other saber. Maybe this will help you. Like you've got one just sitting there on your hilt. Like surely surely that'll help. But like I, who am I to tell Ahsoka Tano how to be a Jedi? But I don't know that that entire fight between the two of them. I mean, the, the lighting and everything going on around them and stuff was just like, but, but also like it, it lends the strength to your earlier like point too, that it's like, they're kind of birds of a feather, like two sides of the same coin, but just like operating in a much different way. Like a few small tweaks and choices kind of sent them on different paths, but like ultimately there's a world where like they could be in like the opposite, like each one could be accompanying the opposite person's shoes. That didn't really make sense, but I think you guys get what I'm trying to say. It's just, they're, they're a really interesting dynamic. I hope we get to see more of them kind of going back and forth. Balin's kind of mentality reminds me a little bit, and it's not just because he said a similar line. He, his mentality reminds me a little bit of Thanos. Like when he gets, yeah. to, obviously he said the same well, isn't this inevitable when him and Ahsoka matched up? But it's almost a little bit of reluctance to the cause that it's like, well, I have to do this because nobody else is fucking doing it. Right. Nobody else is seeing this, and therefore I have to make it happen. And now for Balin, it's just like, I have to get Thrawn to do this so that we can start anew. Um, but it's very much just like a, this isn't working. <sighs> Fine. 
I'll do it myself type of type of mentality I found. Yeah, and he has that strong will to do it as well. And I think it's interesting the dialogue back and forth between them where, you know, Ahsoka's mentioning how she doesn't want to start a war. And he's like, neither do I, essentially, right? He's kind of like, that's not what this is. I'm not, like you mentioned earlier, with like the color of the lightsaber and everything, I'm not here to really rise the empire out of the ashes that's gonna happen in 40 years in rise of skywalker like let it happen then um but for now i'm trying to do something different i'm trying to start anew and honestly i'm so fascinated sitting here right now of course the next four episodes can't wait uh, my prediction is that this movie they're building to by dave filoni will just be called simply star wars heir to the empire Holy shit. Like I just I'm so so interested in like what that film could be cuz they're clearly building to it and something I haven't mentioned yet on this show tonight. Ahsoka to me feels the most cinematic of the Mandoverse. Andor I feel in many ways felt cinematic in some instances, but there's really no fluff too much. They're not like going off the beaten path. We're not having some random side mission, you know, like we have we've had in the Mandalorian and stuff like that and whatever the hell Book of Boba Fett was. Um, Ahsoka really feels like when they were making this show, Kathleen Kennedy or whomever really gave the green light for Dave Filoni to set up a movie. Because that's, that that's how it's shaping up to me. Because there's something about this series that's special in its cinematic sense. And that's what, I mean, the end of the episode, you mentioned the, the waves crashing, her in the world between worlds. It doesn't get more cinematic than that. <laughs> like, I'm, I cannot wait for next week because obviously it's going to be on the big screen. They're proving my point literally. Um, but I want to know why. And I think the world between worlds, not to kind of just jump there, it looked so good. I was, Incredible. I mean, I'm like, wow. They put it straight out of the episode of Rebels. They put money into this too. Like, it, exactly. Yeah. Like, it was true to it. It felt like you were in a space between time and space literally and that's what it needs to feel like it's because going off of that rebels did a lot we had never seen in star wars before very like sci-fi risky moves that are just completely from dave filoni right that are these bold big ideas and we're getting that here in ahsoka as well not only with the world between worlds but they're that <laughs> adam you put it so funny the space onion ring <laughs> is going to another fucking galaxy not i mean it's it's already it's broken the universe of star wars it is a galaxies galaxies far far away it's no and so much cooler than just it's a bigger death star one mm -hmm. trillion percent like so much and it's crazy to think that i mean i don't know eventually if they'll try to kind of like wrap things up and you know plant seeds for the first order but it's crazy how this is happening. They're trying to kind of really flesh out this unused space in Star Wars into really a full story. And I cannot wait for years down the road, we can look back and be like, wow, that might be one of the best eras at the end of the day. Yeah, 100%. I think that was very well said. Before we switch to the Anakin and World Between Worlds stuff, there are a couple other things I want to cover because there was just so much jam-packed like, into this episode. And that's, like David, how you mentioned, it's very cinematic. But another thing I think they did very well is learned the right things from Andor. And 
while it's very cinematic, it's also very episodic and not one by one, but in pairs of two. How Andor it was pairs of three because it was it was more episodes and every three episodes were its own arc. And it very much feels like that every two episodes in this so far through four have been their kind of own arcs with two mini movies that we've seen so far. Um, and I'm really excited for this next chapter. But before we get into it, we haven't even talked about Hera and Jason. Um, Hera disobeys orders like we knew she would because she's got to protect her babies because that's what Mama Hera does. And she will always do the right thing, and that is why she's a general. That's why she gets to disobey rules. Um, but it also, her trip brought us two really cool moments. Now, they're lost in space. They didn't get there in time, and they're going to have to recoup and figure out what's next. That's not what I really want to talk about. Two things. One, Carson Teva is back. Paul Sun Young is is uh, is is back as Carson Teva, the the uh, new ra ranger of the New Republic. Um, and what's exciting about him being there is we've seen him interacting with Din Djarin's Mando. We've seen him working uh, at this and hanging out, drinking at the same bar with Zeb from the Rebels, part of the Ghost Crew. So him being part of that squad to me opens up the door for the theory I've been pushing all along that when Hera needs to regroup, she's going to call in some friends and Zeb and maybe even Din Djarin and Grogu are going to be joining in to uh, help. Now, I think it, Din and Grogu would be more cameo as opposed to big part of the story. Um, but I really would love to see Din and, and Sabine interact at some point. I think that yeah. uh, that is among the top of my list of Star Wars things I still want to see. Um, but then also more th pointing to Jason Sindula being Force-sensitive, just like his father. Um Shit's going down on the planet. Things are blowing up. People are going in other galaxies. And the little boy's got a bad feeling. The little boy's got a bad feeling. He said the thing. Uh, and uh, he's clearly feeling uh, feeling some shifts in the Force. Um, we also got our live-action debut of The Ghost. The Ghost, it was really cool to me. Actually, what I enjoyed the most was the inside of it. It really felt like an episode of Revels when they were just interacting and chatting with each other. The outside looked really cool as well, but also just a little bit just like a spaceship, you know? Just like, ah, it's, it's another spaceship. But it was really, really cool to uh, um, to see that in live action. Carlos in chat saying, Child Services needs to take Jason away. The fuck is wrong with Hera? Uh, bro, have you watched Star Wars before? He is older than most Jedi Padawans when they get uh, kidnapped by the Jedi Order and brought to their, uh, taken from their families to train. So that's pretty standard. In, uh, you can do things as a kid in uh, the Star Wars universe, especially when, you're, uh, when your kid is a Force user. Britt showing up in the Twitch chat. She just caught up with Ahsoka. What's up, Britt? Thanks for joining us. Glad that you're finally caught up. Can't wait to see you at New York Comic Con. We got some fun things brewing here at Agents of Fandom with lots of different expos. Ryan and Aisha are going to be at TIFF this weekend, Toronto International Film Festival. I got Edmonton Expo the following weekend, Saskatchewan Expo, where I'll be, just found out today, hosting some panels for the very first time. That's uh, awesome. Weekend after that, so I'm super excited about that. And then we got New York Comic Con coming up in October as well, where Adam and I and many other agents are going to get to meet in person for the first time. Very excited, but no more stalling. 
Hey, YouTube, hit that like button. No more stalling. Let's talk about Anakin Skywalker. He's back the in the world, but world between worlds. Actually, before even Anakin, let's talk about the world between worlds itself. It it was created by Dave Filoni. It debuted in Rebels, and all that we know about it. This isn't some big major part of Rebels lore that we've seen throughout multiple episodes. It's a big major part, but it's still as mysterious as hell. All that we know is it kind of exists in a place between time and space. Maybe you can get there through holocrons? Um, but it's, it's a mysterious area that exists between time and space that has windows to other worlds. And it's a world between worlds. It exists outside of that. And our only looks in Rebels, spoilers for Rebels, our only looks have been Ahsoka being there and Ezra being there. And yeah. Ezra pulling Ahsoka from certain death in her fight against Vader and saving her life. Now, it looks as though she was pulled there by Anakin Skywalker. And after the great moment of him calling her snips, uh, straight from the Clone Wars, he says... Eerily, you're here earlier than I expected. Yeah. Oh, chills. That means I, I can infer two things. One, this is Clone Wars Anakin, who at some moment where we did not see throughout the Clone Wars, went to the world between worlds. And in that time while he was there and still alive, Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details did some shit. And one of those things included pulling Ahsoka, saving her life right before she hit the water, hit the rocks, or after she was in the water, before she drowned, whatever. Yeah. Um, or, option two, Ahsoka's dead. Ahsoka is now dead and joining Anakin because that wasn't Force Ghost Anakin. That wasn't right. foreclosed. That was flesh and flesh and blood, just like she was. So is the world between worlds, some kind of connection to afterlife. And maybe she's going to come back because she has more business to do or something like that. But David, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah. What is your take on how we got here? What's your best theory on how Ahsoka Tano and Anakin Skywalker are meeting right now? I mean, you laid out some very interesting options. I love the idea of like sometime right for revenge of the sith in that you know in that clone wars era anakin stumbles upon this somehow right like he figures out a place to go because i mean i just watched rebels for the first time correct me if i'm wrong ezra kind of finds it at a jedi temple and he does like x y and z and basically solves a puddle a puzzle out of uncharted and then walks through <laughs> Straight pretty fallen much, order, pretty much. survivor type puzzle yeah. mode to get a portal right. open. And I, so I think it's going to be really because the way. So let's say that Anakin, Anakin didn't seem to pull her out though. Is the thing like there's something else? I I am convinced he didn't do the 
exact maneuver like Ezra did, where he mm-hmm. literally peers through the hole, sees the moment, and then pulls her out, even though it would make sense that there's something, you know, that Anakin might look through, know that that is when Ahsoka's going to quote-unquote die and would pull her out. I think there's something mystical going on with where she is, right? How she falls in. Because I can't imagine it is a... I don't think she's dead. Because that, you know, she's not dead. She's already died no before. Come on. Let's... let's and, and then gotten revived through the world between worlds. Let's do something <laughs> different, shall we? Um... I think there's a chance that there's something to do with how she got there is my biggest question. But what this Anakin is, I am a little more at least clear on in terms of a prediction or theory. To me, it's actually not going to be physically him, but it is a version of Anakin that is essentially like a force ghost because it is his essence. It's not like this physical version that's going to go back to wherever he came from because what's fascinating to me and the first thought i had was this is retconning or almost making canon the end of return of the jedi where it is hayden christensen as a force ghost and there's some kind of connection there where because his appearance is not only like clone wars but it's also right before he turns it is how he looks right before he becomes Darth Vader. So With I a think few extra eye wrinkles. Correct. Which they try <laughs> to kind of gloss over a little bit. But I loved how in Obi Wan, by the way, when they did the flashback, they let him just look how he does now. They didn't like it, both of them, right? It wasn't a distraction. It was you know it was kind of a vision. It was a memory, which I thought was really cool. But yeah, in this we got a little a little gloss over his face. I think this is when he was last. You know, it's embodying when he was last a Jedi. And I am just so beyond curious. What does this Anakin know, right? What is his objective? What is his goal? What are his memories? Is this an Anakin that knows everything about him being Vader? Or is it not? So there's so many questions. I don't have a concrete theory. I love the idea, though, even though I don't think it's going to be true. That you said, TJ, I love the idea that it is a more like a more physical Anakin that actually just stumbled upon the world between worlds and is now fucking shit up in there, essentially. I don't know what <laughs> whatever he's doing. The biggest hole in my theory there, I think, is like if that is the case, we know Anakin. He would have tried to change so much more. Exactly. He would have seen himself oh, yeah. become Vader. He tried. He now saves Padme. He exactly, this, saves Padme. He That's the answer. Life. Yeah, exo. Um, I think Padme. there's a lot more to it than that, and I'm so interested to find out because another wrinkle to throw in for Adam before I throw this to you is piling onto David's theory of how she got there. It wasn't necessarily of Anakin pulling it. We are in a on a planet that is the portal way opening point beginning beginning of the destination to get to another galaxy in addition it's surrounded by pergo pergo all over the place mm. this isn't just anywhere this is a very this is a place that's very special with the force what if she just full on fell into it because that's what that big old sea is? That big old sea is a portal to the world between worlds because this is some wacky planet. I feel like that's possible as well. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, given the the planet's connection with the force, I can I can definitely see it being something like that. Um, I, I'm with Matt in the sense that I actually don't. David? I'm I'm less confident that this is a like this is an actual Anakin standing there because I mean when she first arrives, like the camera pans like a 360 around her and he's not there. And then she hears his voice and then like 10 seconds later, he's there, which to me feels way more like, okay, this is some sort of entity or ghost or vision. I, I don't know. After Harrison Ford popped up in the rise Multiverse. of Skywalker as a vision, like, I, but it's not a force ghost, but just as like a, I don't know, whatever, whatever they use to, to describe it. I don't know. I, that kind of changed my thought on like what they can do with this because it's I like, mean, then that- they can just, yeah, in that it was like Leo is reaching out. I think that was yeah. how he was supposed to interpret so like, that. Yeah, Leia that's, that's is so strong with the force that she turned Han into a force ghost to talk to their son. I buy it. I buy it. There, there, there we go. That's a, JJ that's, that's it Abrams. Right there. <laughs> my uh, one thing that I've been thinking though, this really didn't even pop in my head until we started talking about this. Was the last time that we see the world between worlds? What's going on? Right. Ezra pulls Ahsoka out of a fight with Anakin. Now, so so like these pretty much, as far as we know, now these are the only three who know this place exists. Is there any chance that they run into, you know, I've been adamant since this series started. I don't know if Thrawn and Ezra have just stuck side by side and are still together. Like, I, I don't think either one of them were like dying to, to split apart. I would think one of, they would have wanted to keep an eye on each other and, you know, to, to not let the other one out of their sight. But like, is there a chance that Ezra, you know, got away somehow or however they, if they ended up split up, however they ended up split up that like now once Ezra figured out how to do this and it's been God knows how many years to like, maybe this is just a place that he has like easy access to. And like, maybe they run into him there. I don't know. Like, and, and that's how then they connect with him and then they go and save Sabine. Like, I I, I don't know. The, the theories are like, or endless. I mean, really. And like, I, I also yours being like your theory about him or about her falling into the ocean and that being to kind of segue or, or portal, if you will, to like get her there. Like I actually buy that. Like I, I don't think that's ridiculous. I mean, I, I think they're going to have to explain that like instantly in the next episode, because it'll probably be like a plot conversation. She'll be like, how did I get here? And then he'll be like this and this and this <laughs> and pretty much explain it to us. Like it's probably what's going to happen in the very beginning of the next episode. But like, there's there's worse worse reasons than that, but especially given we know like that planet's special connection to the force. But like, yeah, I just want to talk about briefly how much this changes the game for Star Wars. Matt had a great tweet about this, um, talking about it was like uh, that this this is the, what Ahsoka episode four does is like raises the stakes in a way that like no other Star Wars series has done before, yep. and like. It, that's a really, really good point because everything has been kind of like playing it safe. And then like, in a way, like I'm thinking about this episode too, there's a world where like right when Sabine and them are getting ready to get on the ship, like that's when the ghost crew flies in and saves the day. And then it's just like, then we're back to this kind of grounded story. But like, no, like they, they opted to not like Filoni, I'll say opted to not go that way. And now we're in this giant multiversal star Wars story. And like, while that does that ups the stakes, which naturally ups the risks tremendously, it's going to be much harder to pull off that story. I've got the faith in them. I think they're going to do it. I, I'm just I cannot wait for these next four episodes. 
even though the majority of the Anakin and Ahsoka meeting was heartwarming, emotional, giving us shivers, actually, I guess this part probably gave me more shivers than anything else. And it was when the Vader theme beautifully transitioned to end the scene. And it just darkens the potential. We all these theories we've thrown out are that it's a positive force ghost Anakin and that they give the slightest tease of like, or not. What if it's not? <laughs> what if it's not? That's still Vader. Yeah, we're all happy to see Anakin and Snimps back together, but that's still Darth motherfucking Vader. And yeah. it was chilling. It was just absolutely chilling. I think that would be, God, I'm so torn as to what I would want to see because I feel like we've seen Anakin be bad and be Vader so much. Like there's something refreshing about seeing him be a Jedi again. And to me, going back to it, like seeing Hayden at the end of Return of the Jedi as a force ghost, hearing his voice, you know, think about what you want for that movie at the end of Rise of Skywalker, right? And it's kind of like, as the chosen one, as a Jedi, because in theory, the most heartwarming aspect of this entire thing could just be Anakin teaches Ahsoka that one last lesson to then pass that along to Sabine and so on and so forth, right? Like how it's supposed to be master and apprentice, Jedi and Padawan and keep moving that on. But there's also part of it was like, damn, that hilt is not Anakin's lightsaber on his uh waist buckle it's not it is not his mm. lightsaber and what if he swings that, that thing out and it's red it is burning red i mean oh, there's so man. much potential like i mean what if it's an illusion what if this is some kind of, like we've seen a shit ton of visual illusions in star wars where you walk down the wrong street essentially and suddenly you're in what could be like the darkest portal ever you know so what if falling off the cliff didn't take her to the world of worlds what if it took her to a place that felt comfortable like the world between worlds that she's visited before she's there with anakin who she longs for i mean you guys talked about it and i've agreed in terms of like rosario dawson ahsoka being so stoic like overtly stoic this is when it finally cracks and it's because she's been missing that relationship so much and she never finished her training, right? It's, it's this very deep rooted thing. So could this be an, a manipulation of the dark side to pull her into something that she shouldn't be pulled into, right? I don't know. There's just the possibilities are endless. But the one thing that we do know is they didn't bring him in the show for no reason. It is not going to be a cameo. There is going to be – they put him on a fucking poster. I couldn't believe that. I'm it's like, crazy. he is prominently on this mid-season poster, which makes me think, is he going to be in even more than just next episode? Like, what is his true role going to be in this series? So, I kind of just want the heartwarming story, but part of me, God, I love Vader. And when, like you said, TJ, when that music hit, that to me – Going off uh, Matt's tweet, those stakes were rosen. That they raised a little bit. I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> like, what are we yeah, doing? Like now we got the Vader music going on. What are we <laughs> doing? This is amazing. Because in theory, fuck it. Maybe maybe he's trying to put Ahsoka back in that uh, 
that door from Rebels, right? Where she dies to Vader initially. I don't know. Something's going on. I just I can't get over it, and I won't until I find out. But something is happening, and I don't think I truly don't think it's as pleasant as some may suspect. Britt makes a good point in chat. It could easily just be something closure related. Like she finally just gets closure on that relationship with Anakin because yep. she didn't get to talk about Anakin to Anakin other than a see you later. She talked to Darth Vader, who it was a wildly cool interaction, my favorite interaction in all of Star Wars, but she hasn't gotten to have that conversation with just Anakin. And if it's able to give her closure and the ability to one of the, the best part about the relationship with Anakin and Ahsoka and my favorite part of the Clone Wars is not only do we see Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker, but we get to see how awesome of a teacher he is. He is a great oh. master. He has his times where because the, the due to the emotional guy he is, he uh, goes off the rails sometimes, but he is a very good Jedi master to his Padawan. And so to, if he could provide some teaching moments that provides clarity to Ahsoka and help her on her path with Sabine, that'd be very cool as well. Um, but there's still so much more that could be explored because like you guys talked about, three people have been here. Adam, it's like you said, three people have been here that we know of. It's just Ahsoka, Ezra, and Anakin. But there's also so much that has been unexplored with Ahsoka's history. She's a main character in, in Clone Wars. She's probably the third main character in Clone Wars behind Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, and so in Rebels, that's not the case. She kind of just mysteriously shows up and mysteriously disappears. And then she mysteriously shows up in The Mandalorian. And there's so much of how she's got this little, little force owl that follows her around and is always keeping an eye on things for her. She has this close... I don't know, like, relationship with the light side of the Force in the same way that Anakin Skywalker was in the episode of The Clone Wars where he was supposed to take over for... There was the father, the son, and the daughter. The brother, father, the brother, and the sister who were the embody, the physical embodiments of the Force. And this father, was his time was passing and he knew neither of his children could take over and he wanted Anakin to bring balance to the force and and be that spot and in time since those episodes ahsoka was kind of the new embodiment when those beings were no longer existed of the sister of the light side of the force and so she's always kind of been i feel like it's still possible that like i don't i don't have either of you adam you didn't go deep into the Arrowverse stuff did you you haven't seen crisis on infinite earths I watched about three seasons of Arrow and about three seasons of The Flash. That's about it. That's where my experience with that universe ends. David, did you make it through any of that stuff to the big crossovers? Um, not really. I, I remember when it was happening, but I wasn't like caught up at that point. So a spoiler for Crisis on Infinite Earths is where Oliver Queen eventually dies. And he dies because Stephen Amell didn't support the strike. No, I'm kidding. He dies and eventually <laughs> kind of ascends as the main character in this universe to a more powerful universal being. And I could see this being a similar scenario with Ahsoka is where is Ahsoka in the sequel trilogy? 
she could still she could have still been around. When did she die? When did she go? I could right. even see it. Yes, I'm talking about Spectre, MTF, and Chat. Uh, when he when uh, when uh, all, when the Green Arrow turns into Spectre. Anyways, um, I could see it, it potentially. I hope this isn't the case, but I could still see it potentially being a a, a situation where like. Ahsoka just ascends and becomes something very important with the Force, but maybe just isn't necessarily a physical manifestation in the same way that she was before anymore. I do hope that isn't necessarily... I do do hope that isn't the case, though. That's not something I'm hoping for. I just think it remains a possibility. David, you're talking Ahsoka over at on the Direct podcast as well. When do those episodes drop and what do you got going over there right now? Where can the people find you on socials? Yeah, thank you. Um, right now, the Direct podcast is every Wednesday morning around probably noon Eastern that gets up. Uh, kind of got thrown for a bit of a loop with these Tuesday night um, showings now for Ahsoka, but I'm loving it. I hope it keeps up for Loki, but yeah, we're one once a week right now on Wednesdays, the direct podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those great things. We start off with a little bit of news and then pretty much just dive straight into Ahsoka. And this one was amazing. You guys can follow me at David Thompson. That's two A's in the David on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. All the same at David Thompson with two A's. Adam's dropped all those links in the Twitch Twitch chat, so make sure you follow David. And additionally, check out the Direct Podcast. Great, great pod that they got over there, breaking everything down. It's a lot of fun. I think we may have lost Adam. His face just looks fully frozen. So uh, no more Adam. I'll try and do my best to to tell people what's going on at the website in the meantime. We got so much stuff great uh, coming up in terms of Ahsoka content, but additionally bunch of movies being covered um ryan and aisha are going to be at tiff this weekend and so there's so many great movies debuting there that they're going to get to see uh pain hustlers uh one of them that i know aisha is very excited to see with chris evans and so we're going to have reviews dropping at agentsoffandom.com and of course we got lots of expos coming up with fan expo edmonton uh, regina and of course new york comic-con coming in october as well Uh, If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell. To those who tuned in live on Twitch, thank you so much for joining us. And make sure you are subscribed to the Agents of Fandom wherever you get your podcasts. It's at Agents Fandom on Twitter and TikTok. Agents of Fandom everywhere else. Thank you so, Matt. So, Matt. At least I didn't call you Matt like Adam did. I just said Matt instead of match, but... Thank you so much, David, for uh, joining yeah. us today. This has been an absolute blast. You're incredible. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, Aubrey from Streamer joining us once again to talk about episode five of Ahsoka, directed by Dave Filoni. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on behalf of myself. Adam, who left because he had had enough. Ruben, doing amazing work behind the scenes as per usual. And David, our amazing guest. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will see you next week. Peace.